Okay, we're on Daf Mem Aleph. We're going to start from Mem Amid Beis 40b, 11 lines from the bottom to finish what we didn't do yesterday. We learned in the Mishnah that a list of three things that you make a shahakol on, on vinegar, wine turns to vinegar, on novos, which we'll see what it means in a minute, and on a locust, you make all a shahakol. So the Gemara says, Avala Novlos, when you said Novlos, my Novlos, what are Novlos? The answer is Rabbi Zeru Rabbi Law. There's an argument to Rabbi Zeru Rabbi Law, Chadamar Boshle Kamra. One opinion is that Novlos are dates that are burnt by the sun, they too much, get too much, too much heat. But Chadamar Tami Dezika, one said it's simply dates that were blown off the tree by the wind. So says the Gemara, one second. Tanan, we learned in the same Mishnah. After you listed these three things, Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda said, Kol Shumin Anything that's, that's a thing that comes from a curse, it's the type of food that comes from a curse, you don't make a brach at all. So now, the Gemara says, I have a problem. Bishlama, what Rehuda said makes sense, Lamandam Reboshli Kamra, or the opinion that says that Novlos are dates that were burnt by the sun, I understand. That's why Rehuda called it a type of curse. All these three things are negative. The, the food was damaged in a bad way. But according to the opinion that Novlos, the middle thing in the list, is merely what? Is, is Tamri Dezika, is just if dates that were blown off the tree by the wind. There's nothing wrong with those dates. They taste fine. Uh, 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 why should you call them as a type of thing that comes from a curse? It's not from, it's not from a curse, they're fine. The Gemara says, Ashari says, you're right, according to this opinion, when Rabbi Huda said that you don't make a bracha on things that are a type of thing that comes from a curse, that it's only referring to the other two things on the list, it's referring to vinegar, that where the wine went bad, and to locusts that destroy the crops. But you're right, it wasn't referring to novelos. The Gemara says, Ika de Amri, but some people say another way. We ask the question differently. Everything makes sense according to the opinion that says that novlos are dates that were are dates that were burnt by the sun. I understand why I make a shakal instead of making the proper bracha for the date, which is bari priya eights. We make a shakal because it's 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 become a lesser a lesser fruit by by being damaged by the sun. So we make a shakal and not its original bracha of bari priya But the one who says that their dates that fell off the, that fell off the tree because of the wind, the rabbi tree bari priya We should be making a bari priya There's no reason. There's forget about the curse. There's no reason to say bracha shakal. It's a fine date. You should get completely bari priya this is so compelling that the Gemara drops it and says we made a mistake entirely. Ella, but no, the answer is what? That this argument that we discussed is not applied to this Mishnah. Nobody argued about what about what Novlos means in our Mishnah. Ella, but Novlos, Stama, where it's written just Novlos, like it's written in our Mishnah, Kuliyamala Pligi, there's no argument whatsoever. The Bishulik who everybody agrees, the Boshle Kamra. You know, everyone agrees that they are dates that are that are that are that are that are burnt by the sun. The answer is, where was the argument that we discussed? It was an entirely different case, okay, and it's where it says, where the Mishnah says, benovlos tamra. It's a case where instead of writing the word novlos, it writes novlos of the date palm. So, okay, and now we're going to see in one minute what that is, but I want to know, so in other words, so the whole argument is about a different thing entirely. Now, just as by way of introduction, you know that, um, you know that the rabbis made a rule called demai. If we, but let's say, let's say a person who's unlearned wants to sell us crops or give us crops that he, that he grew. The rabbis are afraid that unlearned people were worried about their money and they, and they weren't taking tithes. And the produce that hasn't been tithed is forbidden to eat. Now really, really the truth is that it's a rabbinic decree and they say, you know, unless you know for sure that tithes were taken, when you get something from an unlearned person, you have to take the tithes again. You have to miser yourself. But the, since it's a rabbinic decree, and we're not saying that it's forbidden, but the rabbis forbade it because they, they, they were lenient in this point. Whenever produce is cheap and not valuable, 
a whole list of things, the rabbi said, excuse me, even though we made a decree that you can't, that anything you get from an unlearned person you have to tithe again, because you're afraid they didn't do it, when it's really cheap stuff that's not valuable, ah, we don't say that they didn't tithe it, and you can, you can buy it, and you don't have to take miser. So we're going to look at a list of cheap things. Now, the, the whole list is not relevant to us. We're going to translate it, but the main thing is the end of the list, it talks about Novelist Tamra. It's in, in the context of that Mishnah that we had an argument, because there it says Novelos, not, not Stam Novelos. Novelos, as I've written in our Mishnah, is talking about things that were burnt by the sun, dates were burnt by the sun. Novelist Tamra, we're going to have an argument what it means in that context. Okay, let's take a look at, now let's take a look at that Mishnah. The Tanam, because we learned, Hakalin Shibidmai, these things have a lenient rule when it comes to the rule of Demai, where you usually have to take miser from stuff that you bought from an unlearned person. Okay, since they're cheap, we're not, we don't worry that the unlearned person didn't take miser, and you don't have to miser them. What are they? Here's the list. Hashitin, Varimin, Vauzradin, Benoshuach, Benoshikma, Vagufnin, Venitzba, Venovlos, Tamra. The last thing on the list is Novlos Tamra. We'll get there. First, the Gemara explains what all those things mean. What are Shitin? Amarabah Barbachan, Abayochan, Min Te'enim. It's a type of, it's, it's a type of, of fig uh, that grows in the desert. Rimin is, uh, okay, what is Rimin? Kande. Okay, that's something, it's something that grows on like a bush-like tree. Ha'uzradim is tulshe. Ha'uzradim are tulshe. What is that? It's something that, uh, it, it, it grows wild. We don't plant it. Benoshuach, what is that? Amarabah Barbachan, Amarabiyochanan, Te'enei Chivarasa. They are white dates. They grow in the forest. Uh, white figs, I beg your pardon. Benoshikma, what is that? Amarabah Barbachan, Amarabiyochanan, Duvle. Uh, but no shikma are apparently they would graft a uh, somebody grafted a branch of fig onto a walnut tree. So those are figs that grow on a walnut tree. Gufnin, what are gufnin? Shilcha gufnin. They're the, they're the grapes that grow at the end of the season. They they never really uh, ripen. And what's nitzpah? Nitzpah, you know that word. We've heard that before. Pircha. Let's talk about the fruit of the slough of the caper of the caper tree, which we discussed before. Novlos tamra. And the last thing, what is Novelos Tamara? That we said, Novelos of the date palm. Now that's an argument, Rabbi Yilar, Rabbi Zeira. It's here that we apply it. That's the argument of Rabbi Yilar, Rabbi Zeira. Chadam Abushli Kamra. One that says that it's the, it's the burnt dates uh, that were burnt from the sun. And one of them says it's the dates that were blown down by the wind. Now the Gemara challenges, even here, that applying their argument to Novelos Tamra, okay, we still challenge, we still challenge the opinions. Why is that? Bishlam Alamandam Rabbi Kamra. It all makes sense according to the opinion that says that at their burnt dates, that's why we learned that here that you can that you can be lenient when it comes to rule of demai. Why? Which teaches you what? If you don't know that they weren't misered, you can be, you can be exempt. You don't have to miser them. You can assume they're misered. But according to this law, since you can only be, be be lenient when you don't know, if you knew for sure that they weren't misered, if you're obligated to miser them. Now that makes perfect sense. If they are dates, yes. If they if they so if they're dates that were burnt by the sun. Here, they're, 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 they're dates that, that when you don't know that they weren't mycered, you don't have to mycered them. But if you did know that they weren't mycered, you certainly have to mycered them. They're produce and they have to be mycered. Because they belong to somebody, as we'll see. But according to the opinion that it's talking about dates that were blown off the tree, 
What, what do you mean, vadah and chayev? You want to tell me that if you knew for sure they weren't meisered, you would have to, you would be obligated to meiser them? There's a rule. They're ownerless. A rule is that you only have to give meiser on produce that's owned by somebody. But something that became ownerless, even if you took it back again and owned it afterwards, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to give meiser. Over here, when the, when the dates are blown off the tree, everybody gives up hope on them. Everybody lets them go. They don't belong to anybody. So even if you pick them up afterwards, even if you knew for sure that they weren't meiser, you wouldn't have to meiser them. So how could anybody have an opinion that those dates are the dates that were blown off the tree. My answer is no, I can answer you. You know why? Because even though it's true, the produce that's ownerless that you, that, that you take, you don't have to give mice on, that's only if you don't pile it up into, a, you don't make a store of it. But the rabbis are mocked that once you make a store of it, even from ownerless stuff, you have to take mice so the answer is, as we're talking about Shasin Garan, it's where the person made a store of those things, of those dates, after he picked them up. When it comes to the, the, uh, the uh, stalks of sheaves of grain that fall down when you're harvesting them, that you have to give to the poor. But shikha, or... Um, Pardon me, stalks of grain, I like it. Stalks of grain that fall down when you're harvesting. But shikho, and the, and the, and the uh, sheaves, the bundles of grain the two, that you forgot when you were harvesting. But payo, or the corner of the field, all these things you have to give to the poor. And all those things are called hefker, and you don't have to give miser. All of those things, shasan gorin, if you made a, a grain pile, made a, a store of those things, hook with a miser, they now become established that you have to give miser according to the rabbis, because, because it, their people are going to think that it didn't, the people won't know that it didn't come, that it, people won't know that it came from an ownerless situation. And some people attack it this way. Some people ask the gosh this way. It all makes sense to me. Those people who explain that when the Mishnah in Demai told me about Tamri, about Novlos Tamarim, that it was talking about the dates that the, that the wind blew off. That's why it makes sense that in our Mishnah in Brachos, it referred to those dates as Stam, as Novlos. And over there in Demai, it called me Novlos of Tamar. Why? Because they mean two different things. According to that opinion, when you say Stam, Novlos, like in our Mishnah in Brachos, it means the dates that are burnt by the sun. And when you say Novlos, Tamra, like it said in the Mishnah in Demai, it means the dates that were blown off the tree by the wind. But according to the one who says that not only in the Mishnah Brachos does, does, does Novlos, the word alone, mean dates that are burnt by the sun, but also here in the Mishnah, also over there in the Mishnah of Dubai, that it means ones that were burnt by the sun. So there's no reason to have two different languages in the two different Mishnahs. Should either in both Mishnahs refer to them as Novlos Tamara, or should have said each of them should have called them Novlos, since in either case they mean the same thing. Gemara says, Kasha, that's indeed a difficulty to that uh, position. To the position that says that they mean the same in both places, it's a Kasha. Now we are going to get into uh, what uh, types of precedents. We learned in the Mishnah, if there are many uh, types of fruit in front of him, uh, you make the bracha on the one that you want. And Rabbi Huda said, no, you have to make the bracha on the one of the seven species that Eretz Yisrael was blessed with. Amar Ula, Ula says the following, The whole argument is when they have the same bracha. In other words, what are we talking about? In a case, for example, let's say I have an apple, 
So an apple and an olive. Apple, not seven species. Olive, seven species. And they both have the same bracha, Bori eights. And the whole question is, I'm going to say one bracha to exempt both of them. Do I, which one do I say the bracha on to exempt the other one? Do Rabbi Huda Savar Min Shiva Adif? Rabbi Huda says what? That the seven species takes pre- seven pieces is preferable. And therefore, since you're going to make one bracha either on the olive or on the apple, you make the bracha on the seven species on the olive. Rabban and Savri, and, the, and you, take the bracha, pardon, you make the bracha on the olive and exempt the apple. Rabban and they say no. The rabbis believe mincha If what you like is more important, better say the bracha on the fruit that you like. If you like the apple, say the eights on the apple and exempt the olive. If you like the olive better, make the bracha on the, on the olive and exempt the apple. But let's say they're not the same bracha. Let's say, for example, I have a radish, not the seven species, which is an adama, and I have an olive, seven species, which is eights. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees that what I don't make, I don't make one bracha for the two of them. And even though we learned that in theory, if you made a bracha on an adama, on a fruit of the tree, that you're yotze, because we said the fruit of the tree also comes to the ground. Here we don't say that. Everyone agrees. If you have a radish and an olive, you don't make a bracha on the radish to exempt the olive. You make a bracha on the radish for itself and a bracha on the olive for itself. And why is that? When do we say, at least theoretically or after the fact, that you can make a bracha on a ground fruit, the bracha of a ground fruit, on a fruit of the tree? It's when you make the bracha of a ground fruit on the fruit of the tree. But not when you make a bracha on the ground fruit for the sake of the fruit of the tree, that no. So therefore, the argument is when two things have the same blessing, do we, the only question is you're going to say one blessing for both. Which fruit do you say the same blessing on? One opinion is whatever you like. That's the rabbi's one opinion. Is who do you say it on the, whatever the seven species is? Macy Bay comes to Gemara says, Kasha, you want to tell me when this brachas are different, you don't make one bracha for the two of them? I'll show you a bracha that says clearly that you do. We learned how you the fun of Tznomazais, exactly this case. If in front of the person there was a radish and there was an olive, okay, so two different brachas, but you make the bracha on the radish, Upotas says ice, and you do exempt the olive. Exactly what you said we don't do is what we do. The man says, No, get out of here, no problem. in that price is a special case. That's a case where really all you're really doing is eating the radish. And you happen to be eating the olive to cut, to, to temper the sharp taste of the radish. So in that case, we're really what? You're, there you're making one bracha for a different reason entirely, like we always learn. When you have a food that you're eating and there's another food that's, that's subordinate to it, you only make a bracha on the food that's the, the, on the superior food. So since the olive is only there to assist the eating of the radish, you make the bracha on the radish and we ignore the bracha. It's not that the bracha on the radish is the same bracha going, going, for, the, going, for, the, going for the olive. It's that we exempt the, that, the, that the olive doesn't need a bracha. The bracha on the radish exempts the, olive, exempts the bracha on the, on the the olive because the olive is only there to assist the radish. The Gemara says, one second, if it's true, if you, talk, if you tell me that that case of that brisa is where, is not where I'm eating a radish and an olive each for themselves, but the olive is only subordinate to the radish, Ema Seifa, how are you going to read the end of the brisa? It says about the very same case, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, you make a bracha on the olive because the olive is one of the seven species. So you see that, so what are you going to say over there? If according to what you told me, it's a case where you're eating the radish and the, and the olive is only subordinate, you're going to tell me Rabbi Huda doesn't hold the principle that we just employed that was taught anytime you have an essential food there's a food that's subordinate to it you only make the bracha on the essential food and you exempt the one that is subordinate the last lady for to say, oh, no, you know what it is? Rabbi Huda doesn't hold that principle I'll prove to you that it's not true I know that Rabbi Huda does 
believe in this principle. Because didn't we learn? Rabbi Huda Omer, he says, he said himself, if the if the olive is only there for the sake of the radish, it's subordinate. You make a bracha on the, on the radish and you exempt the olive. So you see clearly that the case that the brisa was arguing about was not a case where you eat a radish and, and the olive is subordinate to it. In which case, it seems to teach exactly the opposite of what we said. It seems to show you that even when the brachas are different, where the radish is in Adama and the, and the and the olive is an eight that the rabbis and Rabbi Huda argued about, about whether you should make one bracha for the two of them, i.e. make a bracha on the radish and exempt the olive or not, or, 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 whether, you, or whether you give precedence to the, to the olive because it's seven species. The Gemara says, no, don't worry. I can still answer you. I'm telling you what said in the Brisa was where we're eating the radish for itself and the olive is only subordinate. And even though it seems later that Rabbi Huda is arguing with that case, he was really arguing about a different case. Okay? Rabbi Huda and the rabbis are arguing about something else. Now, why, what's the issue? Because you thought what it said, what Rabbi Huda said later, that, about, that was speaking about the same case, it's not. Part of, it's, of the Bryce is missing. Now we're going to see the whole continuity, and you're going to see that the final argument was the same argument that we've always known between Rabbi Huda and the rabbis when the brachas are the same. Here's how the Bryce says. Goes. How will the fun of it's known? It's known. If in front of the person there was a radish and an olive, mevarichal it's known. You make the bracha on the radish. Upoter sazayis, and you and and you and you exempt the radish for the reason that we said because the because because it's where the ra- where the olive was only there to cut the taste of the radish. You make the bracha on the radish and exempt the olive, which is subordinate. But meds where I'm worried, this part's missing. Now, when when is that true? Because that's known ikar. Okay, that's only true when the radish was the essential food and the olive was subordinate to it, just like we said. But if it's not a case where the radish is essential, they cold, and then we're eating both of them equally, the radish for itself and the olive for itself, everyone agrees, you make a bracha on this one, and you go back and make the bracha on this one. So therefore, that's exactly what we learned. But let's say you have two fruits in front of you, where they do have the same, where they have the same blessing, for example, apple and olive. The, the rice says you make the bracha on whatever you want. That's the opinion of the rabbis. That that what you like takes is where you, is where you make the bracha. Rudamiru says no. There you make when the brachas are the same. You make a bracha on the olive. Okay, because the zayis is one of the seven species. So the way we learned it up until now is essentially that the whole argument is 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 about not is about when you're going to make one bracha for two things, which fruit you make the bracha on? It's clear, you know, they're all the same bracha. You're going to make one bracha. The question is, do you make the one bracha on the radish, for example, or do you make the one bracha on the olive? Pardon me. Not that case. The question is whether you make the one bracha on the apple or the one bracha on the olive, right? Because the bracha is the same. But where there's two different brachas, like the radish, and the olive, we don't make one bracha, we make two separate brachas. Now we're going to have an, a new argument and say no, that the, and I'll, I'll preempt it and say that the argument's going to be that the rabbis say even when the brachas are different, there's an argument. Why? Because who is not arguing about, whether, even when there's two different brachas, they will still argue which of those two brachas is said first. Up until now, we argued about when you have one bracha, we argue which fruit you say the one bracha on. Now we're going to say no, no, when you're going to say different brachas on different fruits, which fruit, which, which bracha comes first? With the bracha, pardon me, which fruit is going to come first? Which, which, fruit can, which bracha should you say first on which fruit? I think I said it right. 
There's the argument. Chadamar, one of them said, there's the, they, they argue it. Chadamar, one of these rabbis said, One of them says, just like we said before, in the name of Ula. The whole argument is when they have the same bracha, apple and olive. So if Yehuda says that the seven species is preferable, and therefore you make the one bracha eights on the olive, and you exempt the apple, Rabban and Sabra, the rabbis believe min chavivadiv. They say no. The 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 whatever you like better that takes pre- that that is more important, and therefore you can make the bracha of eights on the apple or make the bracha of eights on the olive. Avashem bekoseim shavas. But when the two brachas are not the same, for example, you have a radish and an olive. Devrei call everyone says You make the bracha on this one, a bracha on that one, and, and it makes no difference. Uh, so that first opinion was everything we learned up until now. It agrees with Ula. Bechad, one of them says, Omar, he says, no. There's an argument even when the, when, the, when the brachas are not equal. You still have to know which fruit to say the brachas on first. And if you say that, that, that uh, as we're going to see in a moment, and that is what, because... So the Gemara said, no, let, let's take a look and see how we figure that. The Gemara says, I understand very well the opinion that says, like we learned up until now, that the argument is when the bracha is the same. Shapir, it's very easy to understand what the argument is. The argument is, since you're going to make one bracha, you make the one bracha on the apple and the one bracha on the olive. But if, 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 if you're going to tell me that there's an argument when they have two different brachas, like radish and olive, but my plege, what are they arguing about? Who, who could not agree that you have to make a bracha on the olive? Olive for an eight, so you have to bracha on the radish, a separate bracha of Adama. It's clear. Amr Rabbi Yirmi says, Don't worry, I'll tell you what the machlokas is. The machlokas is this, is lahagdim, is which one you have to do first. As we're going to see in a second, because since we're going to learn from the Pasuk and the Torah, that the seven species have a pecking order, and one and when faced with, 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 with a list of them, one of them is going to be more, is going to take precedence. You make its bracha on that fruit before, and certainly when they're the same bracha, you're going to have an argument of which fruit to make the bracha on first. Whereas before, it's the question of which fruit do you make the same bracha on. This can be a question which bracha do you make the on which fruit do you make the bracha on first? As we learned, we learned, anything that comes earlier in this Pasuk, there's a Pasuk in the Torah that tells me the list of the seven species, whatever comes first, it's earlier for, the, it comes earlier in the bracha. As it says, here's the Pasuk, it says, Eretz, the land of chita, of wheat, usa'ora, barley, begefen, grapevine, uta'ena, date, verimo, and pomegranate, Eretz Zeshemen, a land of, of olive giving, of oil giving olives, Udvash, honey, which is dates. Those are the seven species. So whatever comes first gets the bracha first. Upligi the Ravchanan, and this argues with Ravchanan, who says what? That that Pasik does not teach us that there's a preference in saying brachas. Then Ravchanan, he says, no, that's not what that Pasik teaches, but rather, call a the whole Pasik is there just to tell me that the seven species are also, are also used as standards for classical halachic measurements. Now we're going to get the list of how the seven species represent seven measurements for important halachas. Chita, what does wheat measure? It's the following. In a house that's leprous, if a per- anything that comes into the house becomes, becomes unclean, spiritually unclean. People, clothing, utensils. In general, anything that comes in becomes, becomes unclean immediately. However, a person's clothing that they're wearing, even though when the person walks in wearing their clothing, when the person walks in, they become unclean immediately. Their clothing only becomes unclean when they've been in the house long enough, let's say, to have eaten. So we're going to see, if a, and so we have to, we're going to have, pardon me, we're going to have to know 
How long is that time? How long is the time that it takes a person to eat? So we learned that if a person walks in to a leper's house, and instead of wearing his clothing, he's carrying his clothing over his shoulder, and his shoes and his rings are in his hands, he's not wearing them. So he and his clothing are immediately unclean because his clothing is not seen as an accoutrement, it's just another object, so both he and his clothing become unclean immediately. But if he's wearing his clothing, and his shoes are on his feet, and his rings are on his fingers, so the man is, is unclean immediately, but the clothes, etc., the shoes remain clean, until he's in there long enough to eat a pras, a half a loaf of bread, that's called a meal for the rabbis, a half a loaf. Now, but what half a loaf? It takes different times to eat different types of bread. So the answer is, wheat is the standard for how long it takes to eat a meal uh, uh, when you're in a leprous house, so that the clothing that's on you will also become tame, not just you. It's paschitin, it has to be bread of wheat, which you eat, which you eat more quickly. Below pasorim, and not, and not bread of barley, which is eaten slowly. Mesev, it's where the person's sitting down because you eat it quickly. Bochlem lifton, is also eating it with, with something that's smeared on the bread, which makes you eat it faster. So that's the, that's what wheat that's the measurement wheat is the measurement of the loaf of bread that 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 the, the time it, of which it takes to eat let let your clothes become tame in a leprous house. So what does barley teach me? because a bone of a human corpse that is that is the size of a barley that makes a person who touches it or even who or even who moves it without touching it it makes them tummy. So that's the amount of of a barley. Okay. Furthermore, but a but a barley's worth of bone does not like does not make a person who's under the same roof with it um, become tame. You need a larger amount of bone or, or parts of, parts of the bone, etc. Geffen, what is what what does the grape teach me? The grapevine? The wine teaches me that you need a, the measurement of a of a of a revius. Uh, for another, another is a person who's forbidden, who, who's forbidden to drink wine or even to eat grapes. Now we have to know to drink the wine. So the amount of wine he can't drink is a revius, is a quarter, a quarter of a loaf. How much? But let's say he eats the hard parts of grapes, he eats the solid parts of grapes, the pits, the, the shells, uh, 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 etc. How much does he have to eat? So usually the measurement is a kazayas and olives worth. But here the measurement is a revius. Well, how do I take a liquid measure in a solid? The answer is it's the amount of solid it takes to displace that liquid. So the amount of solid grape that if you would put into liquid would displace a revius, a quarter log of liquid, that's the amount of solid that, that the that the Nazar transgresses when he eats grape solids. Now what is that? And you have to know, but it's di- different liquids have different thicknesses. And the thicker the liquid, the more solid it takes to displace the very same amount of liquid. So wine is thicker than water. So therefore we learn that it's a revius of wine, uh, of the geffen, and therefore to know how much grape solid the Nazar will have transgressed with, you have to measure the amount of grape solid that would displace a revius of wine as opposed to a revius of water. So that's the measurement that the grape teaches me. To Enum, what does the what does the fig teach me? What measurement is that? Shabbos. On Shabbos, in order to be liable for carrying foodstuffs in the public domain, you have to have a meaningful amount of foodstuffs. How, what is that amount? It's the amount of a grogeris. A grogeris is a dried fig. So that tells me, so the so the fig tells me the measurement for carrying on Shabbos of foodstuffs. Okay, now furthermore, what about a rimon? What about a Pomegranate. So you know that when a, a utensil get, becomes destroyed, um, when a utensil becomes destroyed, 
uh, even if it was Tame, the tumor goes away once the utensil is destroyed. Now the question is, what's called destroyed? So when you have utensils of, of salesmen, the smallest hole already destroys the utensil. But householders, they're very practical. If you get a little hole, let's say you used to keep a small thing, you used to, used to use small, small items in that, in that bowl, in that utensil, and it got a small hole. So you start using bigger produce that won't fall through the hole. So each time it gets a bigger hole, you just keep using bigger produce. Where's the point where it's finally called broken? The answer is, it's not like we learn the utensils of householders shearing kirimonim the amount that finally destroys the utensil says it's useless is when the hole is so big that a pomegranate falls out that's already so big it's useless it's already not considered a, a, a utensil and if it was unclean it becomes clean at that point Arid say shemen how about how about how about the oil olives that give oil what is that land what is what land, land of olives that give oil uh, that's the land where all the measurements are the measurement of an olive's worth. The Gemara says, come on, get out of here. What do you mean, all the measurements? We already just had other measurements, like the pomegranate, etc. Ella, but rather say what? The majority, or a great many of its measurements are the measurements of a uh, measurements of a zayas. For example, uh, an olive will tell me how much a person is liable for eating forbidden fat, for eating blood, uh, leftover from sacrifices, all these kinds of things. Devash, the last thing, which is what, which is which is dates. What does that measurement does that mean to teach me? Kokoseva Sagasa, that teaches me a large date Yom Kippurim. That's the amount that if a person eats a Yom Kippur, that they have transgressed the prohibition against, against uh, 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 by by eating and not afflicting themselves. So the the other opinion that we said that it says that the pasuk is talking about precedence of the fruits. Why don't why, why don't they accept that it's about the measurements? He says, get out of here. Did anybody see in this pasuk the actual measurements? Ella, uh, uh, the, the, the the real source of all these measurements, the rabbanon. I really got them from rabbinic tradition. The cross The pasuk is merely a, a reference point where we can see we can see all these. Measurements and each of the of the fruits that Eretz Yisrael is blessed with represents a famous standard for halachic measurements. But that's not really what it's about. Okay, now so we're back to we said we so we said we have an opinion that the pasuk teaches that Rabbi Huda is following the Rabbi is following the pasuk that we have to know which which fruit gets precedence for its blessing according to the, its its um, rank on the list of the, of the fruits that Eretz Yisrael was blessed with. These two rabbis were sitting in a meal. They brought in front of them dates and pomegranates, two of the two of the fruits that Eretz Yisrael was blessed with. Rav Nuna took the date and he made a bracha first, which is very strange because it's the end of the list. Uh, of of all the of all the, all the species, number seven. Amar le Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda said to him, "Losri le Maar lahad Amar Rav Yosi v'tem Rav Yitzchak call him Mugdam b'pasuk Zed." Don't you hold the principle we learned that whatever's early in this pasuk, Kodem lebracha comes first in the blessing. How did you bless pomegranates? Come way before dates in the pasuk. Amar le said to him, "Dad, Anna, it's more refined than you said because in the pasuk the word land is written twice. So to give a rank, you don't really rank according to what order it is overall in the pasuk. You have to see how it ranks in terms of how close it is to the word land. Whatever's closer to the word land, that's what gets precedence." He says. He sa- so he said to him. He says, "Listen, the reason I did it on dates is because he says he said he, because he said to him, Zesheni Laretz. Dates are number two. If you look at the pasuk after the second time it says Aretz, 
Eretz, if it says land, it's number two. Vizem, when it comes to pomegranate, it's Hamishal Eretz. Pomegranate is number five after the first time it says land. And therefore, even though pomegranates precede dates globally in the Pasuk, but really dates be pomegranate because dates are number two after the word Eretz, and pomegranates are number five after the word Eretz, after the word land. Amarle man the He says, "Oi, if only I had feet. We, if I had feet of iron, so strong, and I'd walk around just listening to you all day to what you have to say. You said good. Itmar, we learned. Now we're going to learn about precedence. Hevil if we're going to learn about blessings during the meal. Let's say they brought to a person uh, um, figs and." Uh, Yeah, but, but one second, please. Itmar, we learned. Let's say they brought in front of them figs and uh, grapes in the middle of the meal. And these things are not there to eat together with the bread. As we're going to say, according to bread, the way Rashi's learning, everything that you eat with the bread is subordinate to the bread. But these things are not there to be eaten with the bread, okay? These are things that just to sweeten the mouth during the meal. You bring uh, figs. Or, or grapes, so they're really separate from the meal. Amrav from the bread. Amrav huna atunim bracha lefneiem. So he said they need a bracha before you have to make the bread pre-eats because they're not subordinate to the bread. But they don't need an after bracha. And why is that? Because because of mazon, they're food in any case, and the because of mazon is going to exempt them. They're, they're part of the meal. <coughs> as far as because of mazon is concerned. But they're not subordinate to the bread, so you need a prior bracha. Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said the same thing. They need a bracha before. But they don't need a bracha afterwards. Rav Sheshesh said no. They need a bracha whether before. Okay, for the reason we said. You need a bracha priya eitz. And achareim, they also need a bracha. They need to, you have to say the bracha. The shortened version of Birkas Muslim that we say on the, on the, on the seven species. Okay, however... They don't get, but they don't get like, and not like some other things that get that get a special blessing before and get a bar nefashas afterwards. Not like rice, for example, where you make a mazonas before and a bar nefashas afterwards. Okay, why? Okay, we don't have something that needs a bracha beforehand. And doesn't need a, a, a full trip, shorthand triple bracha afterwards, and only needs a bar nefashos. The only th- example that's really like that from these uh, from these seven species are it has to do with um, with eating a special dessert. Says Rashi that they served after the meal. It had flour in it, but it was also uh, those. They would make. Uh, oh, pardon me. It would. It had wheat in it. It had like toasted wheat, but also had, it also had the. Uh, it also had spices and nuts, etc. And because there the wheat was so small, it's really not that serious. You make a mazonos before. And afterwards, you're going to make a bar nefashos and, and not a, and not an alamicha. That's unique. But otherwise, everything else in seven species gets a bracha before and gets the full shortened three bracha afterwards. This opinion that we said, this disagrees with Rav Chia, what we just said. To Rav Chia, he said, Paspoteras, bread exempts everything. I don't care what you bring. Even if you brought um, uh, um, grapes and figs to sweeten the mouth and are not there for the bread, it doesn't matter. Even so, the bread exempts them. The yayin poter, mashkin, and also wine, exempts all of the other drinks that you drink after it. Amrav Papa, Papa says, here's the final bottom line, and we're reading according to Rashi. 
Things that you bring for the meal in the meal, they're all things that you can eat together with the bread. They don't need a bracha before because they're subjugated to the bread. And they don't and they don't need a bracha afterwards because you have the bread. It's a muzzin, they're fine. But But let's say you think brings things in the middle of the meal that are not for the sake of the meal. For example, by them, cabbage, uh, what we call uh, cabbage and other things that are there, they're there to fill you, but they're not me- meant to be eaten with the bread. They're not subordinate. They're part of the meal, but they're not for the bread. So therefore, tuni bracha lefneim, they do need a bracha beforehand. Okay, the, pot, the bread does not exempt them. They ain't tuni bracha lechmeim, but they don't need a bracha afterwards. Why? Because since they're there to be part of the uh, of the nourishing meal, the birkas hamazon exempts them. But now we have the last one like this: lacha suuda, things that we would usually only come after the meal. For example, fruits that we only eat for dessert, but we brought them during the meal. Things that usually would only come after the meal, but we brought them during the meal. Uh, 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 brought them during the meal. They need a bracha, whether it's before. Why? Because they're not, obviously they're not subordinate to the bread. And they also need a bracha afterwards because uh, because since they're not really there to nourish, they're really like a dessert, you ate in the middle of the meal, the Birkas HaMazim will not exempt them. Shalu is Benzoma. They yes Benzoma. Mepnei ma'am rudvar ma'am machmas ha'suda betoch ha'suda einam tu nebracha lo lefneim lo lechreim. They ask them, why is it the things that you bring during the meal that are for the sake of the meal, how come they don't need a bracha before or after? Amar lahem. So he said to them, ho'ala pas patras, and the answer is because the bread exempts them like we said. So they asked him a question, if that's true, so why shouldn't wine that we eat after the bread also be exempted by the bread? So he said to them, he said, wine is different. And why is that? Wine is unique, as we learned before, because wine, oftentimes, when you have no, you don't really care, you're not even interested in the wine, but you have to make a bracha on wine anyway for like Kiddush and Avdallah. So wine is so special that, that it never becomes subordinate to the bread. Thank you very much.